it's really hard to live on that kind of yield for cash flow. So this is just a big mindset shift. And the deeper I got into this, the more I found out that there's just hardly anybody in this movement talking about real estate. Best ever listeners, I'm proud to announce many masterminds as a component of this year's best ever conference. This year's best ever conference is virtual. So we've added something that we've never done before. And I'm confident you're going to get a lot of value from it. When you join the Best Ever Conference, you will be thoughtfully placed into a mini mastermind group. And to give you an idea of what these mini masterminds are, it's going to be about six to eight people, fellow Best Ever attendees. And if you've attended the Best Ever Conference, you know that the quality of attendees is very high. And we have experienced investors who are also good people. I'm sure there's some bad people out there, but I've never come across them at the conference. They're people who want to help and people who want to network and people who are successful already in commercial real estate. So you'll want to be a part of these mini masterminds. And in these mini masterminds, we're going to thoughtfully place you in a group with other attendees and you're going to have different meetings virtually with them and we're going to help facilitate those meetings. So they're going to be all around a topic and each of the masterminds will have a different topic. For example, one mastermind, you'll talk about what resources, relationships, investments, etc. have made the biggest difference in your life and what do you think you're missing for that next big life change or that next big milestone in business. So we're going to prompt your mini mastermind group with a topic and then you all will discuss and we'll do that for seven mini mastermind sessions. So you're going to get to know other attendees really well and you're going to get the maximum amount of networking opportunities to go deep with people because ultimately what I found out is the more people I know is beneficial, but what really moves the needle on business is going deep with a select number of people and really establishing substantive relationships with them. So go to BEC2021.com, sign up for the best ever conference, get thoughtfully placed in the mini mastermind group as a result of that mini masterminds are going to start november 1st and when you sign up now you're going to lock in the best price because prices go up each week and on top of this i'm going to give you a code so that you can get 10 percent off and that is my bec 10 so when you sign up at bec2021.com put in the code my m y b e c the number 10, and you'll get an additional 10% off. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best of your listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and we're back for another edition of the Actively Passive Investing Show with me and Travis Watts. Travis, how are you doing today? Theo, I'm doing great. I'm super excited. This is one of my favorite topics, and I've never had a chance to dive into it deep, and hopefully we can do that today. Yeah, so this topic that Travis is talking about is the FIRE movement, FIRE, which is an acronym that stands for Financial Independence and Retire Early. So I was talking to Travis a little bit before the show that I've heard of this movement before. I've seen a few trailers for documentaries, but I am by no means an expert on this topic. So this will be mostly Travis talking, and maybe I'll ask him some follow-up questions to learn more. And so Travis, kind of take it away. What is FIRE movement? You said this is one of your favorite topics. So maybe tell us why it's your favorite topic, how you learned about it, things like that. I think I was just like you, Theo, a few years back and I had heard that acronym, really couldn't tell you anything about it, didn't understand it. And here's the long and short of it. So I was raised by two very frugal parents. I think we've talked about that before. They taught me very well one side of the money equation, which is the saving and budgeting side. Nothing about investing, nothing about real estate, but very thankful for that. I've always had a good discipline there. So was raised that way, continued that throughout my life. Just frugality, I guess we could coin the term as that. And then all of a sudden, I started feeling like I was the only one out there doing this. <laughs> it was kind of a lonely existence. And then you start second guessing it, thinking, is this kind of a stupid thing to do? Or does anyone else feel this way about money? And then all of a sudden I discover fire movement, which I wouldn't say it's a huge community, but it's a growing community of mostly millennials. I would say people in their twenties, thirties, and forties for the most part. And the idea is this, a lot of people get this wrong when they first hear about the fire movement and the whole retire early thing. A lot of heat gets driven there. The movement is really about designing a life and a lifestyle that fits you, that complements you. So it's searching for things that bring you happiness, joy, fulfillment, excitement, and then creating a life around that. Now, I think a lot of people get caught up in the financial side of it, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But it's this idea that, hey, maybe I have a corporate job and I make good money. I make six figures or whatever. I'm an IT guy, an engineer, what have you. Well, I may like that to an extent, but realistically, could I see myself doing that from today or in my early 20s all the way through my late 60s to get to so-called retirement? Well, a lot of people are feeling like, no, <laughs> that's, that's just too long. That's too much of a commitment. So it's this idea that you work aggressively to earn income early on, as early as you can, make as much money as you can using your highest and best skills, talents, credentials. Then you're going to live very frugally. So you're going to live on just basically as little of that income as possible for a period of time, not forever, but maybe five or 10 years, something like that. It's different for everyone. Then Here's the most important element of that. You're not just going to save that money and throw it under your mattress. You have to invest that money into assets. Now, FIRE movement's all about stocks and index funds. But what I want to talk about today is how the FIRE movement can relate to real estate and how I've done that. 
So earn as much as you can, live on as little of that as possible, invest the difference into assets. And number four is just avoiding bad debt. A lot of people start out with bad debt. Maybe it's student loan debt, credit card debt. Get out of it. And then if you don't have it, don't get it. (laughs) Just stay out. So that's one of the biggest things that detracts people from starting their investing journey. So by doing that, it's incredible, but you see people all around. There's podcasts dedicated to this, as you mentioned, documentaries, books, there's conferences now around this topic. And you genuinely see people in their 30s retiring. And what I mean by that is not going to the golf course and moving into a 55 plus community and, and these kinds of things, but it's financial independence. Let's just focus on the first half of that acronym. That's what it's about. It's about financial independence. It's about having enough income, as we talked about on our previous podcast, how much is enough. It's just having enough to have lifestyle flexibility. If you want to travel more, if you want to be more charitable, if you want to spend more time with your family, if you want to go ride around an RV for six months, you just have more options on lifestyle choices. So that's a little bit about what the movement is. So what I really want to dive into, though, is how most people view the FIRE movement as it pertains to stocks and index funds, but how I think you could shift that over to real estate. And I Mm -hmm. think that can be very impactful. And that's what I've done. So that's kind of what I want to pick up on there. Yeah, sure. So let's kind of lay the groundwork. Maybe first talk about what people usually do. And so you said that really what would remain the same is the saving the money aspect we talked about this before, but knowing what your number is, what's enough, it's up your lifestyle. But the major difference is going to be what you're putting that money into. And then based off of that, when you'll actually be able to achieve that enough number. So maybe kind of walk us through what people traditionally do in the fire movement, as you mentioned, with stocks and index funds, and maybe kind of give us like a high level example too. So I was getting real into this movement. I was getting real excited. I was so happy to see other people are thinking like I think until it came to this aspect, which is the one thing I really disagree on on many levels. Okay, so this is how it works in the traditional sense. They use what's called the 4% rule. The 4% rule is a withdrawal method off of your retirement account, whether that be a brokerage account or actual retirement IRAs and Roths and 401ks. And what I mean is this, they say, okay, let's say you need 50,000 per year in income. So the way the 4% rule would work is that you need $1.25 million put into index funds. That's what 90% plus in this movement are doing are index funds, something like VTSAX, Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, for example. Why Vanguard, low fees, why that particular one, it's a wide stock market index. So they claim you have some diversification that way. So if you have 1.25 million put into an index fund like that, what they say is, well, historically, and I'm sure everyone listening has heard this before, but historically over the last 50, 100 years, whatever, the stock market has returned 8% annualized. Obviously some years being 20 or 30%, some years being negative 40%, but we're just trying to find the middle ground here and the averages and it's about 8%, give or take, depending on what you read and and how you interpret that. So the idea is if you're pulling 4% off your accounts per year to get $50,000 out, and it's returning eight on average, that you've left yourself in their conservative buffer. 
So that buffer can be used for inflation or the ups and downs or just a weird market. And we've never seen this kind of thing happen before, whatever. It's just a safety margin. So in theory, you're infinitely wealthy. If all you ever needed was 50,000 a year, you had 1.25 invested in something that historically does 8%. That's how it works. So it's kind of a mindless thing to do. You have one strategy. You don't really need to learn anything else. Every dollar that you can invest, you just do. And you just do that for five or 10 years aggressively or whenever you can hit that number. And then there you go, you're done. And that's how the fire movement works. Well, that's gonna follow up real quick. So essentially they're just going to a bank or some broker. And then as they're making their money, they're just giving it to them and saying, hey, invest this in this index fund. So they're kind of doing that every quarter, every year, or are they just doing it once they've hit that number? Good question. So due to fees and financial advisors and all this, they're circumventing the whole system. And they're saying, hey, it's free to open a brokerage account or a retirement account at Vanguard or Fidelity or Charles Schwab. So they're going to do that, no cost. Then they're going to go into a low cost index fund. So not like a mutual fund that usually has a higher assets under management type of fee. I think VTSAX is the lowest fee. You could probably look that up as I'm talking, but That's why so many people in the fire movement choose it. So you're not using a financial advisor. The theory is nobody technically, statistically can outperform the stock market. Yes, people do, but it's not a sustainable long-term approach. It's not like someone outperforms it every single year for the rest of their life. So why pay somebody extra fees to basically match or underperform what the index funds do anyway? That's the theory. That's the philosophy. That's the mindset. That's that's strategy. Got it. So I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking, wow, 1.25, 4%. Okay. And I'm thinking about my real estate holdings. This happened several years ago. I'm thinking, well, when I buy a piece of real estate, what do I see as conservative cash flow, which is a completely different mindset, cash flow versus equity. I'm not banking on things to go up in value. I'm just saying what gets collected out of rents and other income generating things on the property. Well, I came up with 8%. 8% to me was kind of a conservative number. And let's just forget about the appreciation side of the real estate. The fact that it could go up just because of inflation and that's what happens or forced appreciation, you're making it better. But just take that completely out. Let's just look at cash flow. So if I put $100,000 into a single family home or a private placement or a syndication or what have you, my principal is locked in there. That's what allowed me to invest or buy the property. But the cash flow is what I could potentially live on. That's what I do live on. So I thought 8% to me is pretty conservative as the fire movement sees 4% being conservative for the stock market. So I thought, well, then if that's true, you could actually get to where you want to go twice as fast. You could have 625000 invested at 8% cash flow in real estate instead of $1.25 million at 4% in the stocks. And if you look at the yield on a VTSAX or a S&P index, it's so low. It's not a cash flow play. It's 1.6% or something, depending on when you check it out. So it's really hard to live on that kind of yield for cash flow. So this is just a big mindset shift. And the deeper I got into this, the more I found out that there's just hardly anybody in this movement talking about real estate. And I thought that is the craziest thing because... Unfortunately, for so many of these people, they could get there so much quicker with half as much invested. So my wife and I, I don't know if it was earlier this year or last year, we went out to one of the biggest advocates for this movement is Pete. They call him Mr. Money Mustache, and he's a big blogger, things like that of the fire movement. We went out to Longmont and we met with him 
He has a co-working space, a bunch of fire movement, like-minded people. They call them mustachians. They do this goofy little mustache thing. And I was asking him, I said, Pete, this index fund stuff, I said, everyone's doing it. And I said, I'm kind of a real estate guy at heart. I said, do you own any real estate or whatever? And he said, you know, Travis, the index fund thing, it's just worked historically. It just works for me. It works. Why change something that's working? And this is, of course, before COVID and as a great bull run has been happening and stuff. And I just thought, that's interesting. And it led me to think that there's probably a lot of people in this movement that just aren't in investor mindsets. And rightfully so. Not everybody has the time, energy, effort, or interest to become an investor mindset or an entrepreneur or whatnot. And that's fine. But I think that's what gets so many people to buy into this concept is all I have to do is have a brokerage account and an index fund. And that's all I ever have to do for the rest of my life. And that's pretty simple. And that's some peace of mind there. But anyway, just wanted to point out that real estate's a great asset for cash flow. And if you're looking at it through the eyes of cash flow and not through equity, for those interested in this movement or pursuing this journey yourselves, that's something to definitely consider. You may not go fully in like I am with real estate, but at least maybe having a few rental properties or something could really help that equation out. Yeah, you have a really good point there. Because one thing that I first thought about when you were talking about the index funds is, okay, so I follow 4% rule. The example you gave was 50 grand a year. So I need to invest 1.25 million. But at that point, really, I have my account with 1.25 million in it. And then I'm living off every single dollar generated by that account is me using. And so that's gone at the end of the year and I'm using the next 50. So it's kind of always 50. Whereas for real estate, as you mentioned, you kind of were just focusing more on the cash flow and how you can get there twice as fast. But if you're investing in a five-year or 10-year syndication, then again, depending on what type of syndication, because sometimes you are just participating in the cash flow, participating in the cash flow and the upside, let's say you invest a hundred grand, you're making 8%. And then you can obviously live off of that 8%, $8,000 a year. But then at the end of five years, you're going to get 60 grand. So now you've got 160 right. grand and then you can pull that 60 grand out and do something fun with it. Or you could take that 160 grand, invest it in something else five years later, and then make more cash flow, and then either live off of that still or reinvest that more and more. Whereas I don't think you can do that with these index funds. There's no equity play here. It's just cash flow, right? Or is there equity play? Yes. So for an index fund, what you're banking on is not cash flow at all. You're just hoping that on average that account balance goes up 8% and that you're just taking four out of it. So you've got a little buffer in there, but inflation's a real thing. So that 4% isn't just a gain. You're kind of meshed there. And that's the good thing about real estate. It often keeps up just automatically with inflation. We could make the case on and on you and I for real estate with the tax benefits and the leverage that you can use and this, that, and the other, and we could go on and on. But I just want to paint the simple example of If you're trying to live off of something, it doesn't sit well with me to sell off my nest egg, to have an account balance of a million bucks and to say, I'm going to start selling it and then living on it. I don't like that concept. With cash flow, it's not that way. That 100K I put into the property is still there. And then hopefully the equity and appreciation comes in too. But just again, forget about that altogether. And I'm just talking about the cash flow. It's a better asset, in my opinion for retiring on because we all have to come around to needing some income. And I think real estate's one of the best asset classes to produce income. Do people ever do the life insurance with this fire movement? 
like the whole life you mean and mm-hmm. kind of doing the, the infinite strategy and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, some do, but I'm telling you my theory, <laughs> I need to do more research on this. I'm not an expert either. My theory though, is that most people in this movement are not investor mindsets. Mm-hmm. It's just do this one thing and then you're good for life. And that's kind of like insurance too, right? (laughs) Open up this whole life policy and just dump everything you got into it. So you have to play to your strengths, obviously. I'm not suggesting real estate is right for everybody, but there's ways to do real estate passively. Even if you were to do the stock thing, there's REITs, there's real estate investment trusts, there's high dividend yield stocks. There's ways to create cash flow in that strategy besides just doing an index fund with a 1.6% yield on it. But- that would be my suggestion is focus on cash flow versus the buy, hold, and pray that the stock market just goes up forever. It's actually a great opportunity to plug the book we're working on, you know, the passive yeah. investing book. We have a full section in the book where we go over every single passive investment I could think of. So index fund, mutual funds, REITs, high dividend stocks, regular stocks, private equity, and kind of just comparing all of those to one another in regards to risk, returns, feasibility, various other fees involved, just to say, hey, there's not one that's better or objectively the best. It's just, what do you want to get out of this? And then based off of, again, if you want a low fee type of a situation, then you can do the Vanguard thing. If you want higher returns, you can do something else. So if you haven't said any of the funds that you don't have in there, so that's good. I think we have everything covered. One thing I did want to ask about this. So you mentioned that the traditional fire participant would place their money, they'd open up their own brokerage account, and they just kind of dump money in there, and then it'd be a set it and forget it. Yeah. Our vacations, there is some more time that goes into it. And so for you, how much time are you spending on just your passive real estate investments compared to either other investments you're doing or what? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We call it the actively passive show. It is active to a point, but it's fully intentional, A, and it's B, because I love it. It's my interest. It's my passion. This is what I like to research and learn. And if it's a Saturday or Sunday and I'm sitting at home by myself, what am I doing? Probably a documentary on financial stuff or reading a book on that. And I fully recognize that's not most people. I totally get it. But for me, that's why this topic's even coming up. That's why not a lot of people are talking about the real estate side of the FIRE movement because everyone just wants the one thing. Let me just do one thing and then be done with it. Take the diet pill and lose 30 pounds. I don't want to actually work out or know about diets. So (laughs) that's where it comes from. I spend, realistically, not a lot of time. I might seriously vet maybe one deal per week. That doesn't mean I'm investing in that deal. I get sent, let's say, four deals a week from different syndication groups or whatever, and I pick one. And I'll dive deep, just mainly for the education side of it, and then invest maybe in one a month or one every other month or something like that. So what does that equate to? I don't know, two hours a week or something like that. Not a lot of time. So it is mostly passive, which is what I preach and what I advocate. You're already working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, sometimes more. You don't have the time to get out there and always fix and flip houses or do all this kind of research. It sounds like most of your time is spent on not actually analyzing a specific deal or reviewing financials, but kind of the other aspect that you mentioned, like watching a documentary or doing additional research. And obviously, if you are one of those people that don't have a lot of time, you don't have to spend all this time on deals, right? I mean, you can just listen to a show like ours and take some takeaways and be able to quickly analyze deals and 
as we're kind of talking about, they're just trade-offs, right? I mean, you're not going to have a magic investment where you don't do anything at all. You just press a button, your space bar, your computer, and then you make a thousand percent return. That's just not how it works. So there's always going to be trade-offs with higher returns. There might be a little bit more risk or might be a little more time investment spent with the lower returns. It might be a little bit easier, but then it's going to take you a lot longer to get to that point. So this is going to be trade-offs all the time. Yeah, Exactly. And the last thing I want to circle back to something that we talked about at the beginning of the show is that's what this movement's really all about. And it's more about lifestyle. It's more about happiness and fulfillment and making wiser and smarter choices, both for the planet, for yourself, for your family. There was a well done documentary that came out last year. It's called Playing with Fire. You can put a link somewhere. I don't know. I bought it on Amazon. I don't know all the outlets for it. It's got a little orange shopping cart looking background to it. But it's great. What it is, it's a couple. They're millennials. They're in their early 30s. And they live out in San Diego, California. They've got the BMW and the Yacht Club membership and the beach house. And more or less, what they've been doing, and they didn't even realize, is just kind of keeping up with the Joneses from their subconscious. It wasn't intentional. It's just they thought they were doing what everybody does and should do. And they did an exercise. Anybody listening right now, seriously, hit pause and do this if you can. If you're driving or something, make a note to do this as soon as you can. It's a simple exercise, but it means a lot. It can mean a lot. It's life-changing. My wife and I did it. They did it in the documentary. All it is is you write down the 10 things that make you happiest, the 10 things that bring you the most fulfillment, either daily, weekly, monthly, annually. You choose your time frame. And the point is, For this group, it was interesting, husband and wife, right? And it's like playing with their newborn child, eating dinner at home, enjoying a nice piece of chocolate, going on a walk outside, riding bikes together. And they're thinking, if that's what brings us the most fulfillment, we can live anywhere. Why are we in the most expensive place in the U.S. paying $4,000 for housing and blah, blah, blah. So they end up moving. This documentary is just an average couple that they're not experts in the fire movement. They're just trying to learn as they go. They end up leaving San Diego. They go to, I think it was Bent, Oregon, and they just find cheaper housing and more outdoor activities and recreational things. They switch up their car and they reduce all their car payments. It was just a cool thing to see. So it's called Playing With Fire. There's a lot of good books, a lot of good podcasts. So check out all that stuff if you want to learn more. But that's a little bit what it's about. So not to give it such a bad rep on what are you going to do if you retire in your 30s? You're going to be bored out of your mind. That's not the point. It's not that you are going to retire. It's just that you're going to have that flexibility to do what brings you the most fulfillment and happiness. And I think we talked about this on one of the other shows that, again, think of a job you do if it didn't really matter like if you could do any job and the salary didn't matter, what would you decide to do? My dad drives a bus. He loves it Yeah, because <laughs> he's retired. Yeah. He's going to have to worry about the money. So, so the documentary is by Travis Shakespeare. So if you do playing with fire, Travis Shakespeare, you will find it. Cool. So, all right, yeah. Travis, again, appreciate you coming on. I enjoyed talking about fire. Glad I have to learn a little bit more about it and make sure you guys check out that documentary. And then uh, we did reference a lot of blog posts. So I'm going to try to remember to add some of those to the show notes for these shows moving forward for some other secondary sources. So again, Travis, thank you. Best of listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. Here's the problem with virtual events. You don't get to connect with others in the way that you would for in-person events. So with this year's best ever conference, it is virtual, and we're fixing that problem. 
we are introducing mini masterminds where you're going to get to know six to eight real estate investors who are accomplished and who will help you and you will help them grow each other's business. Go to BEC2021.com, sign up for the Best Ever Conference, and enter the code MYBEC10, and you'll get a 10% off on top of the lowest price, which is today, because the prices go up each week. BEC2021.com. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.